Open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 13 tonight, just one verse. I promise you I'll not be long, and uh, we'll be out of here tonight sometime. The book of Romans chapter 6, the entire context would be good to read, but for sake of time, I'm just going to read one verse and make a couple applications, and we'll go to the house. Verse 13, let's stand together, please. Last week I preached about total commitment based on giving ourselves to the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5. I want to follow that vein for just a few moments tonight before we depart and go to the house. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Seeing the word yield several times, twice in that verse, and found several times in the context of our study of the book of Romans. Yield yourselves unto God. Say that together with the please, ready? And then, after me, ready? As instruments of righteousness unto God. Let's say that. Father, help us tonight to gain the truth and glean the truth, and may it go down the very fabric of our soul and help us in the battle that we have as Christians. It's one thing to be saved. It's one thing to receive Christ as Savior. It's another thing to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And being a disciple will cost us everything we have, everything we ever dare to have. It'll cost us to follow the Lord Jesus, not for our salvation, but because of our salvation. And Father, help us to realize that Jesus paid it all for our redemption. He also paid it all that we could have victory in our life as Christian people. Help us to learn to yield ourselves to you tonight a little better. I know I need that. And I pray, God, you'll speak to all of our hearts. And we'll thank you for what you accomplished in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. may be seated. The Lord wants yourself. The body is to be given to the Lord. I'll go back to that in just a few moments. But if the surrender is to be one, it's got to be one to the Savior, yielding ourselves to the Savior for what he's done for us. I quote, you belong to the Lord. Let that sink in. He purchased you. He has the bill of sale, but you have the body. He has the ownership, but you have the occupancy. He has the title, but you have the treasure. He says, what? In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye have been bought with a price, therefore glorify, body, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And God has given us the divine direction, divine commandments, to yield ourselves to him. And the only way to be living a victorious life is yielding yourself to God and the instrument you have, I think, includes all the members of your body. I remember hearing a preacher one time say, and I may have repeated before, he said, before he gets out of bed, he goes down through his whole body. I give you my feet, and he moves his feet. I give you my legs and my hips, and I give you my belly. I give you my arms, I give you my hands and my eyes, my ears. He goes through every part of his body just about and yielding it to God before he ever got out of bed. I'm not saying you've got to do that, but our body belongs to God. It's not yours. 
And sometimes we forget that, and sometimes we misuse the body. All of us probably could be guilty somewhere along the way. But this body is a temple. It's a temple of the Holy Ghost of God, which we have inside of us. And He's come to live and dwell. And we've been bought with a price, and that price is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that uh, yielding every day ought to be current. It ought to be something we do every day of our life. Someone said, for this sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these... It might have been. We could probably have a different kind of life if we'd yield ourselves to God instead of jumping out of bed and trying to take charge. I plead guilty sometime, trying to get ready to go to the study and to pray and spend some time. I'm trying to figure it all out before we get there. I've got things running through my mind I've got to do this day. Now, you may not have that problem, but something good about going before God before the day starts as quickly as possible and just yield yourself to Him. Dear Lord, I can't make it today. I don't have enough strength to make it today. Lord, I don't have enough sense to know what to do. I need your direction. And just yielding yourself to God is a wonderful thought, a wonderful command, a wonderful condition for living a victorious Christian life. And so it needs to stay current, not tomorrow, today. So in the morning, start the day off by yielding yourself to God today. Not after a while, today. I said it closed, I think, last week talking about you don't eat the apple of your life and then give the, the Lord the core of it. I, recent days, I've enjoyed eating apples. I, I don't like apples, basically. But the last few months, I just love apples. I'm going through a change of life, I think, what it is. But I, I just love, I had one for lunch. And I'll probably eat one tomorrow. I just love apples. You know what I do with the core? I just throw it away. Now, don't you enjoy the outside of your life as an individual and then give God the core? That's not what He's wanting to do. He wants you to, He, he really wants the whole apple, core and all. He wants us to give it to Him. Sometimes we're frail to, and afraid to yield ourselves to God, afraid of what may happen. How sad we, we sometimes eat the meat of our life and then give God the bone that's left over. Now, I know you can't eat a bone. I don't guess you can. But uh, we ought to eat the meat that God's given to us, yielding ourselves to Him. And I mentioned the fact that our lips, our feet, our knees, our hands, our shoulders, our heart. And this is what Char- Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, said, quoted to him by Dr. Howard Kelly who was quoting Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon wrote in his diary, if you know, everybody know who Charles Spurgeon is? Uh, if, you've, if you've got any kind of sermon books, Charles Spurgeon's got some thousands of sermons in print, volumes of them that his wife helped him to do. But he's a great pulpiteer, great preacher, got saved as a young man, went on to pastor the great tabernacle in London, England for many years, and a great man of God. This great Spurgeon wrote this word in his diary. I dedicate myself, my time, my capabilities, my ambitions to Thee. Blessed Lord, sanctify me to Thy use. Give me no worldly success, which, may take, which will not lead me nearer to Thee. Draw me nearer, draw me nearer to Thee. Don't give me any success, Lord, if it's going to take me away from You. Don't give me anything that's going to hinder my relationship of being sanctified by Thee. I give you my time, I give you my capabilities, I give you my ambitions. We as Christians need to give God something every day. And it's not easy to do. The devil fights it all the way. Is giving our time to God. Ephesians 5, 18, 19 through there says, Redeeming the time for the days are evil. And we ought to buy up the opportunities and yield ourselves to God. We have 168 hours and every week all of us have the same amount. What do we do with those 168 hours? Somebody said you ought to tithe off the 168. 
10% of those are to be actual things you do for God in addition to be surrendering yourself to Him, like going to church, like prayer time and visitation time. And figure up 16.8 or 17 hours of time that you just do something for God on purpose. Now, all of us to be done for God's glory, but some things we do, like going to serve, going to church, it takes a little bit of willpower to get up and go to church and find yourself in the house of God. <coughs> if you do that two or three hours <coughs> excuse me, a week, I mean, it amount up after a while to 16, 17 hours if we do something for God regularly. But our time, our talent, <clears throat> sometimes folks say, I don't have a talent. Everybody has a talent. been talking about it on Wednesday night for a few months ago about the gifts of the Spirit. But everybody has a talent. God gives everybody some abilities to do something. Somebody says, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do. Yes, there is. God's got something for everybody to do. And finding what it is may take a little while and just keep doing, uh, being willing to be in the will of God and just live your life and let God speak to you. Somewhere along the way, you may find yourself plugged into something you really enjoy in doing. And it brings glory to God. And it helps you to realize you have a purpose for life. We have one life to live. It will soon be passed. So it needs to be current. It needs to be complete. It needs to be conclusive that all of our life is evolved in yielding ourselves to God. I want to talk tonight about the fact of just yielding yourself to the Lord for just a few moments. Yield signifies an act that once and for all like a marriage vow. 1968, June 28th, Nancy and I stood at the old church and uh, we got married. I had asked her previously if I could have her hand, if I could marry her, and she said yes, but I had to ask her daddy. And that memorable time when I sat in the couch in the living room of their house and uh, Nancy and her mom were in the kitchen waiting on my great ability to ask her father for her hand in marriage. I sat beside Mr. Key. I said, I need to talk to you. He said, yes, yes. I said, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I want to, I want to, it's been a good day. And, uh, I don't know why it was so nerve-wracking to ask him. And finally I said, Mr. Key, I'd like to ask if I could marry your daughter, Nancy. And he said, can you afford her? I said, yes, sir, I'll take her completely. I'll do my best to take care of her. And if God be my helper, I'll never have to ask you for a dime. I'll try to do it without you. I'm glad they helped us in spite of that statement. Especially when college was good when he saw Mr. Key and Miss Key coming to town with some groceries and a little bit of money from time to time. I never asked him, though. Oh, when we asked my pride, I guess, but I told, I told him I'd take care of her the best way I knew how. I probably haven't done the best job in the world, but I made a commitment to him. How much more should I make a commitment to God every day in our marriage relationship? I mean, we're together. He's the, he's the groom and we're the bride. And make a commitment that we want to live for him and serve him and let our life count day after day after day. Makes all the difference in the world. Yield yourself signifies an act, a token, an act. An act once and for all delivered like a marriage vow. In North Thailand, I read the illustration recently about babies when they're born are given to the devil. Didn't know that. Certain custom in Thailand. And they take a string and they tie it around the wrist to show the ba- who the baby belongs to. So every time they see the string, heavy-duty string, it's a, a sign they've been given to the devil. And as they get older, they lengthen the string. And they always have a commitment to the devil. And uh, one old man got saved. They called his name Sticks, S-T-I-X. Old Sticks turned to the Lord with all his heart and got saved. 
And as he got saved, he said, I want to confess Jesus Christ as my Savior. He looked down and saw that string around his uh, wrist, which was a sign of belonging to the devil. He reached down and took that string after he got saved. He tore it off and he prayed this prayer. I give myself to thee, Lord Jesus, with no strings attached. Isn't that good? Amen. No strings attached. I'm giving you the very best I have. No strings attached. I want God to have all that I have. I don't have much, but what I do have, I want to give it to God. I have one life to live to soon be passed. And after a while, our journey will be over and we'll be resting in the presence of the Lord. And one of these days, we'll breathe our last breath. The blood will congeal in our veins. Our heart will cease to beat. We'll drop a lifeless lump of clay. We have one life to do what we're going to do for God and let it count for God. We get so wrapped up in things that we forget the most important thing, and that's to glorify God. Sometimes we get wrapped up in people that we forget the most important person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is He Jesus, my Savior, not only is He Christ, the Anointed One, He is my Lord, my Sovereign God, and I belong to Him, and I wish I could just remind myself of that more often. I'm not my own to be bought with a price. Whatever I do and whatever you do in your life, Everything that we do brings honor and glory or or disloyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors for Him. We can make God look good. I think somebody said it already this weekend. Or you can make God look bad. It depends on how you do it. I wonder what people think of us when they get around us very long. I wonder if they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. I'm not trying to put on artificiality. I'm not trying to put on airs, as Mama used to say. Don't try to be something you're not, but just being genuine, being who you are, a child of the living God, mingling with people in and out, talking to them and discussing things with them and rubbing shoulders with people uh, from here to here or here to there. And sometimes we don't do a very good job of being an ambassador for him. He represents us in glory. We represent him down here. I am an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, and so are you. So he wants me to yield myself to him with no strings attached. Lord, here's my life. Let it be. I belong to thee. I was born to serve the Lord. This body that has carries the Lord Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit, I was born to serve the Lord. I was born to serve the Lord. Every facet of my body belongs to Him. And sometimes we grumble, sometimes we complain because things don't go well, and the circumstances may change in our life, but God's always in control. If we have yielded ourselves to Him as a day, Lord, whatever comes, I'll accept. Now, we get, let me ask you a question. What kicks you off the quickest? Is that a good question to ask? What ticks you off the quickest? What gets under your nerves the quickest? Well, I'll tell you one that gets under my nerves very quickly is, uh, I forgot what it was, uh, customer service. You ever got to customer service? I talked to two guys the other day from somewhere in Timbuktu. I said, all I want is talk to somebody who can understand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be unkind. We've got a different dialect. You talk different than I do, and I, you probably can't understand me. But I said, I need to talk to somebody who knows what I'm trying to say because I've already been on the phone with you 15 minutes. We ain't got nowhere. What's your name? He told me his name. I said, if I get to the head honcho, I'm going to tell, tell on you because you didn't help me very much. And that's probably got sort of out, of out of sync, but I find myself, if I ain't careful, it'll run my whole day. It's better to start at midnight talking to those guys than it is in the morning. Because time you go around the world two or three times trying to figure out what the problem is. But those type of things just sort of irritate. Anybody got something that irritates you besides your wife or your husband? Just irritates you. Just bugs you to death. It ticks you off is the word we use sometimes. It just gets me all out of sync. Well, try to stay away from that as soon as possible and yield it to God when something comes. And I thought about when I got through talking to the guy. I said, I hope you forgive me. And I uh, didn't mean to speak unkindly to you, but you, I just can't understand you. 
And please understand, I can't understand you. I'm not being mad, not being, not being unkind. And I tried to talk with some civility and tried to talk to being a gentleman because then I realized who I belong to. I'll probably meet him at food line next week. He'll probably be the guy that'll help me with my grocery cart or something. And I said, what's your name? He tells me. And I said, oh, no. Where are you from? Oh, no. Here he goes. And the voice rings resonates in my mind. I just talked to that guy. We was in a trip one time going to a preacher's conference, and this preacher was driving. He was a wild driver. I mean, he was wild. Now, I'm not a good driver, but I'm not a wild driver. But he was a wild driver. I mean, he waves at people. He blows his horn at people. If he gets behind somebody, they're too slow. He beats the horn. Uh, and when he goes around him, he shakes his fist at him. I said, Earl, that's no, that's no way to be. Ah, he says they deserve it. They need to get out of the way. If they can't drive it, park it. You know, had one of them kind of attitudes. We stopped along. They had a, one of our guys had a flat tire. We was following. We got out to help him. We slowed down. And Earl goes over the ditch. He gets a whiskey bottle and puts it in his back seat. And I said, Earl, what if he gets pulled over for something? And that whiskey bottle's in the back. Well, it's not my fault. He's just looked at the back seat. But he was a mean preacher. Good preacher, but a mean preacher, just mischievous as could be, and uh, always shaking his fist. And I said, what if we get down the road and we pull in the same place and that person's in the parking lot? He said, we just pull out. <laughs> That's a wonder he hadn't died of prematurity of somebody killing him in road rage he was talking about a while ago. But the fact is, I am an ambassador. One of the greatest places to be on display is Walmart's. Now, Brother Gary, he works part-time for Walmart. He's head on show down there now. And he works for Walmart. And uh, he, if you work around people, work with other folks, sometimes things don't go the way we want them to go. But the good place to put on your display is Walmart. And I said this the other night. You get in line to check out, and you change lines because the other line is shorter. That's not good. Because the other line, sometimes they got a problem, they have to go investigate it. So you're standing there, and lately I've been getting tired and tired. I stand there with my cane, and I'm getting weaker and weaker. And I want to just scream sometimes at somebody waiting on the, to get through the line. And then probably when I get in the line, i got all the time in the world. And they probably behind me said, I wish you'd hurry up and get out of the way. What used to bug me years ago, and I just get sharing my heart, these little things. Uh, what used to bug me is women who had coupons. Does anybody ever know what I'm talking about? And I'm not a coupon guy, but a lot of folks are coupon people, and they make they make money on those things just about, and they buy everything free. But they begin to count all the coupons there at the cash register that I'm in. I'm changing lines, and sure enough, some old woman over there she got coupons too. Everywhere you look, coupons here, coupons there, and again, it reminded me of my life as I look at it from a outsider trying to look in. I wonder how I made Jesus look, and my wife and I talk about this often. Wonder how we made the Lord look today. And I am sure I have made him look bad at times. Would you testify that you have too? Raise your hand if you're honest. Go ahead and lie about it. Just put your hand up. Sometimes we do things we ought not to do and say things we ought not to say. But I have yielded myself to God. So whatever comes across my path, has not God allowed it to come? Has he not allowed, God, has he not allowed it to come? I yield myself to you. And as I yield myself to you, if he leads me along the way, and if I make a mistake and get out of the will of God, he still allows that to happen. And everything in my life that comes, God has allowed it to happen, and I've got to be sure that I represent Christ as good as I possibly can. So you pray for me, and I'll pray for you. But the Lord wants not only ourself, he wants our service, and thank God for the privilege of doing that. Turn with me, please, to First Chronicles chapter 29. Let me read just a couple of verses and give you a point 
before I finish tonight. First Chronicles chapter 29. And let's read verse 5. This is plans to pay for the things of the temple and how they was raising money under Solomon. Verse 5, the gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers, artificers, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? And who, personal, then is willing to concentrate, consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered, what's the next word? Willingly. Willingly, And gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents, 10,000 drams, 1,000 and 10,000 talents, and of brass 18,000 talents, and 100,000 talents of iron. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced, for they that offered, what's the next word? Willingly. Willingly, because with perfect heart and mature heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Now, I make an application around the church, just serving the Lord. He wants our service. Somebody asked a little Sunday school class one time, said, what's your favorite parable? And one little boy spoke up and he says, the one where everybody loafs and fishes. He said, that was my favorite one. He was loafing around and fishing all day. He got it backwards. The fish and loaves were broken and the great commandment was fulfilled in feeding the 5,000. But it's personal. Who? Who is supposed to be consecrating themselves to God? A challenge to every individual to think about it. Lord, here's my life. Let it be completely consecrated to thee. I am thine, O Lord. I am thine, O Lord. And you give yourself to the Lord. I'd like to, I'd like to, somebody says, but I'm a nobody. As I mentioned a while ago, I don't have any talent. You're wrong because you're somebody special. You are a child of God, a child of the King. You know, we have a self-image emphasis a lot of times about people trying to have a better self-image. The more you see life through God's eyes and the more you yield yourself to God, you have a better self-image. It'll improve how you act. It improves how you react. We're not perfect, never will be. We'll have our faults and failures all through life. We're on a growing expedition. We'll continue to grow and to, and to mature in the things of the Lord. But the fact is, everybody's somebody. You're somebody special to God. I heard this on a radio sermon years ago. In the Roman numeral counting, the way they do, do their, their figures, and, you know, X is 10 and 2X is 20 and so forth, in Roman numeral counting, there is no symbol for zero. You've got to start with one. There's no symbol for zero. As a matter of fact, when somebody says there's nobody, there's no numerals in Roman Empire, Roman language, you can't write zero. So nobody's a zero. Nobody's a zero. They had none. Nobody's a zero in the Lord's eyes. There's none. Everybody's somebody. Everybody's precious to God. And God wants everybody to be used to God. He wants everybody to give themselves. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the reading of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and perfect, acceptable will of God. He wants your body. It's not yours. It's bought with a price. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Personal who? 
to consecrate yourself. Who? He says, I want who will give themselves willingly. Who will step up to the plate? Who will say, I want to do this for God? Who is willing to do? You may not know how to do it. I thought about this morning because there's been a little lax on, you know, working with people around the altar like we should. Having folks train with, and Tommy did over here, I was watching, did a good job with who he dealt with and others praying. But it, having folks ready at a moment's notice to come to the altar and pray with somebody that's praying is always good. And find out why they come so you can put your arm around them, pray for them, pray with them. And sometimes answer their questions while they're praying. And uh, that takes some of you, so that, I can't do this. We had what we used to call recording angels. Their job was just to come and sit and have a clipboard. And when the council, when the workers got through working with them, they'd take them back to the pew. They sat down beside a, a recording angel, and they'd record the decision that day, the name, the address, the phone number, because that's important to follow up on people who make decisions for Christ. And uh, we used to do that a lot. We got through sort of slack doing it. But I'm grateful for those who step up the plate. Anytime you see somebody at the altar and praying uh, that you feel like you ought, ought to go pray with, especially if they're by themselves, you ought to go join them in prayer. It may be just encouraging word, or somebody may want to know the plan of salvation. Somebody want to know how to get saved, or what am I going to do with this problem? And that's the reason why folks who have got some maturity on them, they've grown in the Lord, oftentimes can be a real help to somebody else. Just saying, I'm available. You can count on me for that. Sometimes when we need extra ushers, we have to sort of look around. I'm grateful for our men who say, you can count on me. If you need me, here I am. I was walking down the hall a while ago. I think it was Ken who said to uh, Wayne, if you, do you need me? And I thought Wayne said, no, I never need you. I don't need you now. I don't need you tomorrow. No, he didn't say that. He says, plug in somewhere. I told you where to plug in, right? Did you plug in the right place? Good. And he simply volunteered to be a help. And I saw somebody a while ago, I called on prayer. Tommy was helping take the offering. I, it's been a long time, Tommy, since I've seen you serving as an usher, but willing to do it. Willing to do whatever. Doesn't matter. If I'm available and I can do it, I want to do my very best for God. And sometimes it's just a matter of raising your hand. I mentioned already this week somewhere in speaking, maybe in a sermon, about uh, how it was in school. When I was in elementary school, and the teacher said, I need a volunteer. Now you sort of want to wait and see what you want to volunteer for. I want somebody to take all the erasers outside and to dust them on the wall. Anybody remember those days? few of us. Oh, you take the erasers outside and you get all the chalk dust off of them and you're outside the classroom. I want somebody to volunteer to go take the erasers outside and just about every hand go up, including the girls. I mean, their hands would go up. And they want to go outside and dust the erasers. Well, that's a crazy job. But there's two or three things you got to realize. Number one, you get out of class. You don't have to stay. Number two, you can go to the window and make faces at those in class. <laughs> Number three, you can have a big, you can drag it on longer than it's supposed to be. It may just be a few minutes job until the teacher comes and gets you. You threw out there, bring them back in. But they'd raise their hand and volunteer. I thought about when Jesus died on the cross and he cried, I thirst. When you think a thousand hands would try to reach to help him drink some, drink some water, I behold, I thirst. His lips were parched. The tears were drying down his, rolling down his face. His body was racked with pain. And in the middle of the day, the sunshine shining, and he cried, I thirst. What every sinner will cry when they die and go to hell. But he cried, I thirst. And that didn't seem like maybe everybody was afraid of the Roman guards and afraid to do it. I'm sure some would have liked to have done it. But you would think there would be somebody who had been healed by Jesus, somebody who had been delivered by Jesus, would be there at the cross and try to lift up some water to him. Instead, what did he get? Vinegar and gall. 
be given to him by the Roman soldier. Behold, I thirst. I wonder if the Lord says, I thirst tonight for workers. I thirst for those who volunteer and say, here am I, count on me. And I want to thank God for our church, for those who have volunteered in the past, those who are willing to do whatever needs to be done. And the time comes, and you can't always do it what you want to do, can't always do it because of schedules, but always have an attitude, I'm willing to do it. And as soon as you can plug in somewhere, plug in somewhere and volunteer. You'll be amazed of how that can develop into a good habit in Christian work in the church uh, ministry of helping do the, get the work done. There's always things, and, and I, I, I commend folks that when they have socials and get-togethers, I sort of watch. I've been here a long time. I've helped put up tables, take down tables, and clean up and all that kind of thing. I still can do that. I still would do it because that's a service harder to. But thank God for those when they get through and they stick around a while. Somebody's got to take down those tables. Somebody's got to sweep up the floor. Somebody's got to stack the chairs in the right place. Aren't you glad you can help do that? Well, that's not take, that take a lot of work except a little, little manpower, woman power to push a few chairs around. Count on me, I can do that. Just be available. Be available as much as possible. Not everybody can do that. Sometimes you've got to run and get your children or your babies and you've got to get them home and get them bath and, and put them in bed. I realize that. There's always somebody who's available. And I just want to thank God for those kind of people. Most of you don't notice this, but when I close my Bible in just a few minutes, it'll go right there. I have a notebook I carry. I carry that because I don't want to lose it. Whoever picks this up, well, I don't want to lose it. I just want to hang on to it sometime. I hang on to this one. But usually I just leave the Bible right there. And Bobby uh, Horton or somebody like that will come and get that Bible, take it to my office. Or they'll take this book if I allow them to. Sometimes I leave both of them there. They just come and get it. I don't have to worry about it. My biggest responsibility is trying to find where he hid McCain. And once I get McCain, I'm heading for the back door. And when I get the back door, I don't have, and then somebody's there to take my lapel mic and put it where it's supposed to go. When a visiting preacher comes in or somebody who comes and gets that lapel mic and takes it to the guest preacher so he'll have the, have the lapel mic ready to go. Somebody's got to do that. Somebody's got to check this, check this, and things have got to be done. And thank God for people like that. And we've got that kind of folk in our church, and that tribe should increase. It ought to be we're doubly blessed of God because I'm available to do whatever needs to be done. I mentioned the other day, when you see paper on the floor, go ahead and pick it up. Honestly, it won't kill you. And sometimes you develop that mentality. It's our, it's our church, not my church, not your church. It's our church. Or really, it belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything ought to be done as good and perfect as possible. It always not, we don't always have the ability to do the very best Maybe that maybe God would be satisfied with. Maybe there's some areas that goes undone. But the work of God ought to be done the very best it can for the glory of God. I'm just simply saying tonight, they were willing. Who? Who's willing, he said. Who's willing to consecrate themselves? Who's willing to help in the cause of Christ? Who's willing to dig in and dig out or stand up or sit down or do whatever needs to be done? Who's available? And thank God for that. Somebody this morning, bless me, Tiffany was. She was willing to take her car and take somebody home, but she couldn't get somebody in the car. And that was an inconvenience at that time. She was willing. She said, if you don't get anybody and somebody come down the hall, Alan come down the hall and said, I got this covered. Well, you know what a blessing that is for folks who are willing to step up and just see a need and try to fulfill it the best they can. Does it take a little bit of inconvenience? Yes, it does. But Jesus was inconvenienced for us many, many times. He went to an old rugged cross and died in our stead and paid a sin debt we couldn't pay. 
And if he paid a debt he didn't owe for a debt that we did owe, and on the cross of Calvary he did something that nobody else could do, was to take my sins in his own body and nail it in the cross of Calvary and pay the ultimate price for my sins. His blood was shed, every drop of it was shed for the redemption of mankind, that whatsoever a man realizes, he's, when a man realizes he's lost and on his way to hell, the blood can cover that. When he realizes he's having trouble in his life, he can plead the blood. As he sang about a while ago, I can plead the blood of Christ. Why? Because the Lord Jesus... Jesus gave every bit of his precious blood, which was pure blood, undefiled blood. It was perfect blood, and that blood was shed by the Lord Jesus Christ, and I can have him be a recipient of the wonderful results of the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. What can make this vilest whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And the songs are enumerated through our hymn book. Great songs. I love songs about the blood. I love songs about the cross. I love songs about that. But oh, I need my heart pricked. I need my heart convicted. It's be ready to do what you can do, when you can do it, how you can do it. And you may not do everything, but you can do something. And by the good grace of God, take responsibility and do the very best you can. And we've got folks like that in church. And I'm glad to be their pastor tonight. Just let the tribe increase. Because everybody's somebody, and another reason some of us are getting old. Some are getting older and can't do like they used to, and we need we need young recruits Amen. in the field who will say, "You count on me." Better still, Lord, here's my life. Let it be completely consecrated to Thee. I am Thine, O Lord. Doesn't belong to me. And if I can do something, I want to do it. I want to do it for the glory of God. Just make Yourself available to the cause of Christ. One thing, and I'll close, when I try to go to RU pretty regularly, at least the first two talks, and uh, they have three talks if you're not acquainted with RU, but uh, they, when we go through discipleship, I'll have somebody come and ask me, I'm supposed to do something for the church of service. Could you help me do something? And so I've got to sign them something they're supposed to do, and I usually do this one. Would you go through the auditorium, put every hymn book up facing the same way, take all the trash that's out of the little container where the hymn books are. I want you to do every one of those this week. Every time you see a hymn book out of line, just straight it up, have the all turned the same way. You say, well, why should it be turned the same way? Because that's what I said. I'd like them to be turned the same way. And you're putting them on the test of discipleship. They're going to do it the way the preacher said. They're going to do it the way they want to. Well, I don't have to turn them that way. I just... Throw them in there and get them in there the best I can. I'll leave some trash in there. Maybe the preacher get his own trash sometime out there. No, you have that willing heart. I'll do whatever I can do. And I never had one all these last several years who's ever denied uh, taking time just to put the hymn books in right. And several of you have done that over the years. It may be something else that I may assign you to do. I just go around and do this or do that and look for this and try to help somebody. But always being available to help somebody along life's journey goes a long way. Just learning, just serving, just serving, just serving. They that wait upon the Lord are servants. Their strength shall be renewed and they shall mount up wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. I know it may mean stepping back and giving time, but I think it means stepping forward and giving yourself to wait upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord is a great honor to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ as a waiter would. And I close with this illustration. You know, I, I love to eat. I love to eat out from time to time. And we have waiters and we have waitresses. 
And sometimes we have good ones and sometimes we have some that's not so good. Sometimes some are busy and some are handicapped because we have enough help. So I've had to learn to be careful and be, not get impatient. But the fact is, you've ever seen some people who are willing to serve you, they go, they go overboard. Sometimes I mean by that, they come by and ask you a question. Do you need some more tea? And sometimes they don't ask you. They, they're ready to pour it. As soon as you nod your head, they're willing to pour tea in the, in the glass. They're always Johnny on the spot. They're observing and they're looking. So we went to Amish country several years ago. We were standing in a grocery store. And my wife drawn to my attention. She said, look at that. So this Amish people were working there as well as uh, English people, they call them, are the ones like us. We're English and they're Amish. And uh, the Amish girls were working the cashiers and the checkout counters and so forth. And as soon as the line got through and they had all, everybody checked out, those girls would go over and get a broom. And they'd start sweeping up things around. The English girls, once they got their line, they just stood around and talked. Now, it was plumb observation. I'm not saying all of them did that. But those Amish girls seemingly were trained not to be idle because it's idleness at the devil's workshop. And sometimes you find something to do. And they did it diligently and without grumbling, without complaining. They just did what they're supposed to do for the proprietor of the store while some just wasted time. And I'll leave that between the proprietor and the, and the employees. But it was an observation. Always looking for something to do. Always. It'd be good for all of us to take a journey sometimes around the property and just look. Is there something I can do to make it better? Uh, plant a flower, trim the bushes. Always thank God for those who do it. But always others ready and ready. You can count on me if you, if you can need me. And I just want to thank God for that. Maybe a wrong a kind of sermon that don't draw a lot of attention. But I think God's looking for people yielded to Him. Yield yourself to the Lord Jesus. Let Him take charge of your life. And may I yield myself to the Lord Jesus. And maybe tonight you need to yield yourself to God. And say, Lord, here's my life. Take it, use it for your glory. And whatever you get from my life, I'll bow my unworthy head and say, to God be the glory. I was able to do something for the Lord Jesus. And I will close with this illustration. It's number two. But I'll close right here. This girl got saved. She was 14 years old. She fell in love with Jesus. And uh, she loved going to church. Her daddy was a drunk. And she said, Dad, I want to go to church. He said, you're not going. You'll go over my dead body. You quit going down that church. They're filling you full of all kinds of stuff. And you get your head out of, the, out, of the, out of the stand and you do what I tell you to do. She says, but Daddy, I love the Lord and I want to please Him. And he said, I don't want to hear it. Well, she come in. She said, I want to go to church. And they got in sort of a confrontation about it. He was drunk. He began to beat her. As a matter of fact, he went overboard with it. He beat her and beat her and gashes come to her body and her face and Finally, he realized what had happened. He backed off. She lay there in a pool of blood, and somebody in the, uh, the rest of the family saw it and heard it and called the rescue squad. They came and took it to the hospital. All her dress was completely torn, and blood was all over it. And she lay there on the hospital bed or the cot in the emergency room waiting to see what they are going to do. And she realized she was not well, and they told her she was in bad shape. Honey, just lay still. We'll take care of you. You're going to be all right. Hopefully, you're going to be all right. She, was, she said, you know... This bloody dress is all I have. I haven't been giving much to Jesus. He says, I want to give him something. I want to give him my life. She says, if I die, could I give this bloody dress to somebody who says, I gave it to Jesus before I died? I want to give him something, something of value. And my blood came because I stood up for Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to brag on about that. 
I'm just glad I was able to give something for the cause of the Lord Jesus as she died, trusting the Lord Jesus with the bloody garment laid beside. I'm sure the Lord looked down and smiled and said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in the joys of the Lord, prepare for you for the foundation of the world. I believe God took notice of a young girl who died for her faith because she loved Jesus Christ. May God bless her and God bless her memory. Let's stand together, please, for prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to be in church tonight. We thank you was able to come. I pray, Lord, you'll bless every individual in the building. Maybe some that needs to come and rededicate their life to God. Maybe some that just come and get saved, just trust Christ as Savior. Lord, would you take the frailty and the brokenness of these remarks tonight, use them for your glory, yield yourselves unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And Lord, that means that we are willing to turn our lives over to you for your honor and your glory. And Lord, when we fail, help us confess quickly. Help us to keep short sin accounts. Help us to live for you let our life count. And Lord, maybe somebody needs to just dedicate their life to God tonight and say, here am I, take me, use me. A mission field around the world or a mission field across the street somewhere. A bus route here, a bus route there. It may be somebody to teach a class or help in a classroom. But whatever's available, I'll do what I can for the cause of Christ. Thank you for those who serve. Thank you for those who want to serve. And help all of us to be convicted if we don't serve. To say, Lord, here's my life. Let it be completely consecrated to thee. As the writer of Chronicles echoed, who will consecrate himself unto the Lord? Who will help? And they will willingly be at what they was asked to do. Thank God for that kind of attitude. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. As we begin to sing the first verse, you come if God speaks.